Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where father and son sit down and talk about fantasy books. I'm the son of that equation, Zach. And I'm the father, Jim. And it's really good to be with you here today, everyone, as we talk about some more of The Shadow Rising. We are almost to the end of this book. It's like the penultimate real episode. It's oh, not the penultimate go, episode. Throw in that penultimate well, word it's, in It's again. also false, because, like, it is... But then we've got extra. So. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. How, How you are you doing, doing today? Dad? Oh, wait. I started first. I mean, if you want, I can tell you how I'm doing, but I, I feel like I'm doing a little better than you, so I thought I'd start with a low note and with a high note, you know? All right, I'll tell you how I'm doing today. It's been a day. Now, people who have been, you know, following us and watching our content, mm -hmm. they know for the last few episodes I've been traveling a lot. It's been a really busy time. And just trying to juggle so many things at once, it gets a little hard once in a while. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of episodes sitting waiting to be edited because ah. I just haven't got to that yet. But they all get edited in time for their regular drops. But yeah, today it was a day where I was just working from the home office finally. And I had a list of things I wanted to do, work tasks. And I got like this much of them done because so many other things started showing up. But I knew it wasn't going to be the best day. When it started off with, I had an 8 a.m. dentist appointment right around the corner. Oh, a that's already awful. A little filling. And I show up, and literally it's five minutes from the house. So it's real quick. Hop over and then come right back and get back to work. So I I'd, I'd started work early so I could mm -hmm. take time out to go to the dentist. Okay. They didn't have my appointment down at all. They forgot to put it on their schedule when we sat there and scheduled it just a week and a half ago. So did you get the filling? Nope. Or... nope. I get to go back again tomorrow morning because they go, oh, we can do it tomorrow at the same time. <sighs> now, thankfully, I had time tomorrow. Wednesday, I leave town again. You know, there's very few times I can actually get something in. Yeah, you got lucky in getting unlucky. But, you know, I didn't want to look forward to a dentist appointment two days in a row. <laughs> Not so much. And the day just went from there until now. Now we can just have some fun. Yay. Yay. How are you doing? Way better than that. Like it, nothing <laughs> crazy, amazing happened, but like it was a fine day. It's been fine over the weekend. I did an adult thing and bought a kitchen appliance, Ooh. which is to say Rachel and I now own a microwave. You didn't own a microwave? No. Icky. We have a um, toaster oven air fryer thing, which is very useful and very cool, but no microwave. So huh. leftovers have, has been a challenge figuring out with various appliances, okay, what works best in what ways for what kinds of dishes? And now it's like, no, now it's fine. We have a microwave. Okay. And just getting it in the budget and getting the time to go and do it. This weekend was when I was like, nah, I'm done waiting. Microwave time. <laughs> so now we have a, a beautiful new microwave. It's great. I mean, cooking is is important and fun. And, you know, you can do lots of things with cooking, but you kind of need a microwave. The big thing for me isn't even making things with it. It's being able to enjoy the things that I cooked easier more afterwards. I've already used it multiple times for the soup that I made following my sister's recipe. It, it's a great soup. It's a Zupa Toscana. It's good. Oh, that is a good recipe. Yeah, yeah, I texted her and I was like, hey, can I have that? 
20 minutes later, I had it. I had Very to make some cool. adjustments because I don't have a pressure cooker, but it's fine. Yeah. Now, your day's been challenging as <laughs> such. Are you drinking? Uh, oh, you better believe it. But before <laughs> I talk about the drinking, this weekend was really cool. Okay. So it's like, you got to enjoy the weekend. Now, I was actually traveling for work, but it was just a there and back thing. And your mother went with me. And we had a little time yesterday to do something we hadn't seen before. Yes. And I know we sent you, mom sent you some photos, but I wanted to share some here because this is fantastical. It was uh, the Chihuly Art Museum. It's all glass and the sculptures and stuff, glass. And it's hard to believe what some of these things look like. There's a lot of like fun blown glass pieces, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's see. I've got three that I thought would be worth showing. Okay. Uh, the, The first... Uh, there you go. This hanging glass structure, it's called a chandelier. It looks like a chandelier. Yeah, but each, I mean, it's full of these individual blown glass. uh, Yeah. And and then all connected and put together. It's amazing. But, like, that's a simple one. So I'm Mm -hmm. starting with a simple one. So you you lowball this first. That's right. You got to do these things right. So then I'm going to show you the next one. Okay, this is inside a big glass house, basically. Mm -hmm. And in the background, you can see the Space Needle. So you know this was in Seattle. Okay. Space Needle's going up behind it. Uh, But all of these are individual, blown little things of glass that are all then attached on these big structures hanging Mm -hmm. massively. I mean, just, wow. Again, some people have talent. I don't have talent like this to even think of something, man. I will say I've had the opportunity to do a little bit of glass blowing. It's quite fun and entertaining. I am not talented enough to necessarily do that off the rip, but it is something that is always been very interesting to see people who are good at it do. Not just like the product, yep. but them doing it. Very cool to see. The last one was an inside gallery room. It's one thing it's the only thing in the room and it's extremely well lit and it's right out of the fantasy world i mean look at this all these colors and these are all different things of glass and you can walk all the way around and see the different stuff so so which fantasy world is this i don't know which one but there should be one set in a place like this it could be countless (laughs) all right so that's enough randomness (laughs) What am I drinking? Yes. I didn't have time to do anything fancy, so I just got some cinnamon whiskey. It's straight fireball. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I don't approve or disapprove, really. It's just kind of like, <laughs> there are certain people who would look at you and go, why are you sipping fireball? Fireball's for shots. Uh, there are other mm-hmm. people who would look at you and go, how young are you? <laughs> it was here, it was accessible, and it tastes good. So those other people can have their opinions i'm gonna sip my fireball how about you well part of what you have is what i have i made a nice irish coffee using some bourbon actually it's strong okay i definitely like was gonna do a certain amount and i was like this is gonna be good and then i took a sip and went this is good i now know approximately how much liquor was in an irish coffee that i had because this tastes just like it (laughs) that i had in dresden on a cold, rainy day, it was the only thing that got me through the day. All right. And this just takes me right back to it. 
Nice. Memories. All right, well, you enjoy your very strong Irish coffee, and I will continue to sip my apparently inappropriate fireball. And let's talk some more stuff about podcasting. Let's see. Okay, what do we got? What do we got? What are you reading? What's one thing you're reading now? I started the first book in the Fionavar Tapestry. Hey! Jordo telling us we need to read it, so I am. I know you've already gotten through it. But I'm mm-hmm. first book. Let's see. That's the summer tree. Yes. Yes. So I started that. Now. I'll be interested to see what you think of that series. I definitely will be interested. Yeah. One thing you're reading. Well, I'm not reading anything new from the last time we've talked. Except the last the time we talked is the <clears throat> next time we talk. <laughs> That's true. But uh, the audiobook that I'm about 67% through now is Nosferatu. And still enjoying it. They did make a TV series out of it that went, I guess, two seasons and was canceled before they did the third, Mm. which I will probably watch eventually. Even if you're cringing through most of it. Well, no, what I understand about it is that basically everything in the book they'd finished in the first two seasons. Mm. And then they were going to go on further. Well, I don't care about further because I just want what's in the book. So maybe I'll be happy. (laughs) couple other notes discord more people joining us all the time we had another new one jump in today great name it resonated with me i looked at it it made me laugh you gotta share now no if you want to know what i'm talking about Ah! go check out the discord (laughs) all right well we'd love to have you um on our discord with us our crowd of people who love fantasy and sci-fi and other weird nerdy stuff How to find us is in the show notes here, whether you're listening in audio or you're with us on YouTube. Just go on down, find the link, join us. Uh, The other thing is uh, House of the Dragon continues to rock. I love that show. No, just saying it. I will say, as a side note, I took some time this weekend and caught up on uh, Rings of Power. I don't know what your problem with it is. I really don't. (sighs) I don't get the hate at all. I didn't say I hate it enjoy i'm the not show. engaged i am not engaged i have no idea where you're getting that from like or rather where you're not getting that from mm. i'm enjoying it and i'm confused why you're not are you caught up with house of the dragon as of not the one that just came out oh well the one that just came out uh okay. nice because of how i watch with people i usually would be watching right now but we have this but we're doing this and they're, right. they're not doing right. very well so uh, we had to postpone okay. it Well, enough about all of that. We are here to talk about the Shadow Rising, so why don't we get to that now, yes? Yeah. We've got two chapters to wrap up Perrin's story arc in this book. This is chapter 53, then jumping over to chapter 56. Now remind us, where what's Perrin been up to? Because it's been a while, I feel like, since we last saw Perrin. Yeah, Perrin has been leading the hunkering down in defense of Emmons Field. Mm -hmm. We had left him off there where they had fortified the town fully and the Trollocs are coming. The Trollocs are coming. And now the Trollocs are here and in fact have been here. Chapter 53 is called The Price of a Departure. It's a great name of a chapter. We'll see why later. But it starts out in Perrin's point of view where he and other leaders of the town, both men and women, are gathered in the common room of the Winespring Inn. And just from their conversations, the things that are going on, and the things parents overhearing, we get caught up with a number of tidbits. First of all, that 
it's been a week mm-hmm. since they started the defense of Emmons Field, and there have been Trolloc attacks every day, multiple attacks every day. The worst ones always seem to come at night, mm-hmm. but basically there's never a relaxed time. They can happen at any time. They come from different directions. You never know when they're going to hit you. That's exhausting. Oh, absolutely. And we see that in the people. It's reflected there. Oh. They're tired. They're exhausted. They're always on watch. They're never getting great sleep. And they're sick of dealing with this. Yes. Then add to the fact that because they've been trapped in the village now and resources start to grow scarce. And it's not just the people of Emmons Field here. Remember, all the outlying farms and stuff were encouraged to come join them. They even have the Tuatha'an living inside with them. And the stinking white cloaks. They're also in here. We'll talk about them in more in a moment. But Yeah, we'll talk about that. Because all these people are here, food is starting to grow short. Now, Perrin o- overhears the women mm-hmm. talking about it. They've started to uh, only take half rations. Because they need the men who are defending the town to be at full strength. And they're not telling that they're only taking half rations. Because then the men would feel they have to go on half as well. But Perrin with his wolf ears picks it up anyway. Absolutely. No, essentially, the Trollocs are laying siege to Emmonsfield. Mm-hmm. They're not just attacking like Winter's Night way back when. And they're not at one attack, oh, it's not good, they leave. They're treating this like a defensible hold like a stronghold with real fortifications because they're defending it like it is. I want to point out that this is like, admittedly, maybe the Trollocs are smaller than they would be on a larger scale, like with say a borderland hold, Faldara, something like that. But Emmons field is doing something that a military outpost should be able to do. So it's really impressive that these farm folk were doing this. Yep. But they are wearing down and Perrin being the, the leader also holds himself to impossibly high standards. So we see Perrin basically practically falling asleep in his chair. You know, he is just exhausted. Uh, We also learn Aram. We last saw him pick up the sword. Mm -hmm. Well, he's now kind of attached at the hip to Perrin. You know, he's been shunned by his own people and seems to have replaced his place amongst the Tuatha'an as instead being his places with Perrin. Yeah. Why? Remind us why he's been shunned by the Tuatha'an? Well, because he picked up a sword. He broke away from the Way of the Leaf. Yeah. A traumatic thing at any times. Here in a high stakes moment, all he has to cling to now is, I'm going to guard Perrin. I am with Perrin. If he's not at Perrin's side, it's because he's begging someone else, Tam, somebody, Lan, Lan's not here, uh, somebody with a sword to train him more. That's the only reason pretty much he leaves his side. Tomas is here. That's a warder. Tomas. Yes, Tomas would be one who can train him. Now, Perrin doesn't really need Aram. He doesn't need a personal protective guard because he has the companions. Remind us who they are. The companions initially comprised and mostly still comprised of the young men who came from the various farms on his, hey, everyone get out of here, go to Emmons Field trip, and then went off Trolloc hunting with him. Since returning, have taken it upon themselves to be his honor guard, his personal guard, which, for the most part, annoys Perrin. But there are certain benefits. Right now, in particular... It's useful because of those stinking white cloaks we talked about. Yes. 
Yeah, we saw the agreement, the arrangement that had been made that the White Cloaks were allowed into Emmons Field because of these Trollocs in the area, because they could potentially then help. They say they want to defend against the Trollocs. Well, come on in, and if we're attacked, you're here to help. And when this is over, we can talk about, you know, they want Perrin. They think he's a dark friend. They want to arrest him. Okay, we can talk about that when this is done. That's the deal. Nobody likes the White Cloaks. <laughs> so they're camped out. They made camp again, you know, with their tents mm-hmm. and everything, but on the village green this time. So you right in the center. They're not on the front lines defending the town? Shocking, isn't it? However, they aren't just sitting around doing nothing. The White Cloaks do make a point every day to leave the town. Not necessarily all of them, but in force, they go patrolling. They go around the areas around the town looking for what Trollocs they find, any damage they can do, reconnaissance, looking to see what might be coming. Perrin hasn't really found much of positive results from this, but he hasn't sensed they're causing any harm either. I mean, maybe it does cause the Trollocs to scatter a little? Maybe? Like maybe they're attacking not as frequently as they maybe would, but yeah. you're also not happening upon them and killing them, so... The frustrating part is that they refuse to coordinate with Perrin, with the village. They just do their own thing. So they never say where they're going or when they'll be back. Or They just do. They are, we are the White Cloaks. We do us. Great. Yeah. Well, Perrin gets a message at this point. He's going to leave the common room. Fael is going to be at his side. Aram is going to be at his hip. And companions are going to encircle them and lead them on for protection. The message they got is that the White Cloak Patrol has returned and they found somebody out there. They have an injured man with them who is asking for Perrin Golden Eyes. Wants to talk to Perrin Golden Eyes. Okay, so Perrin is going to find out what's going on. Yep. Uh, the messenger who came in to say, we've got someone here. The White Cloaks have someone. It was Daniel. We've we've met Daniel before. Yeah. Good old but Daniel. he doesn't say, Perrin, there's someone who needs to talk to you. He says, Lord Perrin, there's something. And Perrin's like, stop that. Back to the Lord things. Lord Perrin thing. Yeah. It's annoying to him. But So they make it out to where the white cloaks are. And, and here's this guy, Perrin Golden Eyes. I need Perrin Golden Eyes. He's in bad shape. He does not look good at all. He's practically can't see anymore. And Perrin comes right to him and says, I'm here, man. I'm here. I'm Perrin Golden Eyes. Mm-hmm. And the guy, all he can do is look kind of in the direction of the sound and say, We are coming. Sent to tell you we're. C- 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 and he kills over That's dead it. right there. He's dead. Boom. That's it. Mid message, he talks about the castle of. Ah. ah. Yeah, you got the reference. Well done. So, okay. We are coming. Who's we? We got nothing here. Perrin turns to the White Cloaks. Did you get anything more out of him before? I mean, where did you find him? What's the deal? They won't answer him. They move along back to their area. And Jarrett Byar, who happened to be the, the child that was leading this bunch, he mutters under his breath, which of course Perrin can hear, Shadow Spawn. They don't want to talk to Perrin. No. That moment, it's icky. It's the equivalent of like, as you're walking away, calling someone a slur. Mm-hmm. Totally. Now, the other Emmons Fielders who are there, they got some information from the White Cloaks before. So 
Perrin's able to get a little more information. The man had been found a few miles south of the village. There are trollocs scattered all over the place, but no massed force out there that was seen today. But they're kind of everywhere. This particular guy, nobody knows him. Nobody recognizes him. He's not from Emmonsfield. He's not local. But that's all he's got now. That's all he's got to work with. So Perrin urges those that are guarding the defenses, watch for friendlies, okay? Maybe this man was part of one of the outlying farms that finally mm-hmm. decided to come on in. Maybe there's a couple refugees that are going to trickle in. Kind of yeah, thing. so there might be more good guys. Don't just shoot when you see movement, please. I feel like that's a little targeted at uh, <laughs> some Coplins and Congers who definitely it shot at the Tigers. Yeah, it could be. Now, Perrin is obviously so exhausted. He can barely stand his feet. He stumbles here and Fael right there at his side. It's like, okay, enough already. You need to go to bed. You need to get some rest. Perrin puts her off. He's like, no, no, I'm still needed. And in fact, he is needed because he gets a message right there from another section of the wall where they want him. They want him to come. There's something going on. All right, I got to go over there. Now, it's probably not an attack because it didn't say an attack. But there's something, you know, he's like, if it was an attack, he would have said, we're being attacked. Like, there's something that requires your attention (laughs) specifically. Mm -hmm. But the alarm is not raised of Trollocs. Ah, (laughs) yeah. Getting over to that part of the defenses, it turns out that Perrin was asked to come over because this is nighttime right now and the moon is out. But, you know, you can only see so well in moonlight. And there's something out. This is the part of the defenses that is across from the, the Westwood. Yeah, the Westwood's still like a 500 paces out, but it's there. Yeah, and they ask for Perrin to come because they can see something out there, but they can't make it out. They're hoping with his keen eyes, Mr. Golden Eyes, that they he might be able to make out who's out there. What's going on? Is it a threat? Perrin, what do your golden eyes see? And so Perrin looks. Sure enough, he recognizes who's out there. It's someone they've been watching for all week. Because again, last time we were with them, Loyal and Gaul had left, had taken off to try to close the Waygate, stop the Trollocs coming into the two rivers. They've been watching to see, will they come back? Will they survive? Well, there we go. It's Loyal, and he he shouts out to Loyal, come on! Come on in, run for it. We see you. And to everyone else, Perrin's like, don't shoot him. It's not a trollic. If any of you shoot him, I will break your head in. I mean, he doesn't say (laughs) that, but like he would. Now, an interesting thing here is it's Loyal and Gaul, but Loyal is carrying Gaul. Mm. Gaul is not on his own two feet. That's got to hurt that eel pride. Loyal runs very quickly across the open space. He does safely enter the village then, and he puts Gaul down. Now, Gaul is not unconscious. But he is injured, and one of his legs is pretty dinged up, so he's standing on the one good leg. That's why Loyal was carrying him. Their appearance shows things have not been simple, because Loyal is missing his axe. Gaul only has two spears left and no arrows. Uh, They've been through some weaponry. What's the deal? Well, they share. Uh, Specifically, first off, four days ago, they succeeded in closing the Waygate. And Loyal assures them only Ogier elders or Aes Sedai could open it now, not just any Joe Schmo. All right, let's speculate for a moment here. Aes Sedai, we know how they could open it. Simply because 
we saw Moraine open one without one of the leaves once. There is some way mm-hmm. with the power to crack it open. Okay. What would an Ogier elder do? Can they like sing a new leaf? Can they just open it? What makes an elder special Be- enough to do this? Being they grow these way gates in the first place, I assume they also can repair them, reopen them, seal them. I have to uh, wonder whatever. is there something special that makes an Ogier elder an elder as opposed to just an Ogier? Or is it just only the elders are allowed to, but any Ogier could? Yeah, I don't know. It could be only they're allowed to. But we're not told that right here. Now, Loyal is exhausted, but he's not hurt. He's just at the end of his strength. And the reason is, after they closed the waygate, they encountered a lot of Trollocs out there. And the only way they got back is basically Loyal outran them all. So there are a lot of Trollocs on the way, is what they're saying. Thousands of Trollocs. And Gaul got hurt. I picked him up and I ran. <laughs> and I ran until I couldn't, couldn't run anymore. And I was here. I know, gear after the Aiel's own heart. There you go. Loyal also says, I'll be okay. I'm just, I, I need to rest. And he implies something here that part of why he's so wiped out is not just from the running, but because he's been away from the steading so long. Remind us what that's about, Zach. Ogier suffer from this thing called the longing. The longer they're away from an Ogier steading, the worse it is and the more effect that has on them. Exactly what that effect is or exactly how long is a little unclear. But we know Loyal's been out and about for a while. And this is something that he can die from. Yeah, we sense they kind of can waste away, you know. So his stamina, perhaps, his constitution is not as robust as it usually would be. I think of it as akin to Tolkien's elves losing the the light of the uh, Eldar. As that light, you really had to bring that up. I'm just saying it's valid. (sighs) And okay. It's a potential reference that was intentionally being made by Jordan. Subtle, but going on. uh, This is a touchy topic. We're going on Uh, by their estimation. Loyal Gaul, they're saying there are several thousand Trollocs in the two rivers and maybe as many as 50 Merdral guiding the herds. And then Lord Luke shows up. Now, Lord Luke, we, we get, has been out doing whatever he wants outside the village and then showing up each night to drop off his newest trophies. He's got a bag of Trolloc heads. Honestly, it's a little sus. Yeah, yeah. It's like either this guy is an incredible badass and why is he not helping us in the actual defense of the place? Or he's an incredible badass and a jerk. (laughs) Or there's something more at work here. The first night when he showed up with these Trolloc heads, the Congers and the Coplins threw a party and made him the, you know, the hero of the day. Grand Poobah. And then he just keeps coming back every day and no, nobody has the energy to do anything anymore. But he keeps showing up. He's all that hot stuff. He used to like really put them up on pikes in the town, city, green, town square kind of stuff and be like, yeah, look at my things. And then they're like, put that away. Somebody take it down. We don't need to see these heads, okay? We see enough dead ones. We don't like it. Dude, get over yourself. Well, he comes out and he discounts Gaul and Loyal's numbers. Uh, They're clearly exaggerating. He's like, I've been out there. There's, there can't even be a thousand. A thousand at the most that are left. 
and he, he praises the town people. You have been doing wonderful, and surely they can't overcome you. They don't have the numbers. And Loyal and Gall are like, uh, excuse us? We were out there. We know what we saw. Lord Luke comes back with, I have spent days and days in the blight, dealing with Shadowspawn myself. You have not done what I have done. I am more worthy. <laughs> it's this all arrogant yeah. attitude. There's some weird new information in there, because I'm pretty sure we didn't necessarily know that Lord Luke has spent time in the Blight. Right. But also, did he? Or is he blowing smoke? Gaul and Loyal stand by their estimates. Doesn't matter what Lord Luke is saying. We know what's out there, and we're in trouble. And basically, Lord Luke is trying to say, we're not in trouble. You're, you're going to be fine. This, these are very different messages. Very concerning. Yeah. With this done, Bane and Chiad take Gaul into their care. This seems to be an issue for Gaul. Why? He's got two beautiful maidens of the spear willing to care for him now. Um, well, there's certain Aiel pride here. There's also some uh, interesting histories between them. And he's never going to live it down. Ever. <laughs> That's perhaps part of it. Yep. And of course, as we remember, he has the hots for one of them. But only And one. a blood feud with the other. Yeah. <laughs> so it's complicated. Loyal gets sent off to catch up on his sleep. Fael's like, okay, that's a great idea. Perrin, it's time. You're going to bed now. Tomas was the one at the wall who'd actually called for Perrin, if I remember right. And he's like, yeah, go get some sleep, Perrin. We've got this now. If anything happens, we should be able to take care of it. And if anything really, really needs you, we could wake you up. We know where you are. Yeah. You know? We won't, but we could. <laughs> well, Perrin goes into his sleeping quarters, get some sleep. And as he's drifting off, because he is dead tired, so he's yeah. going to actually go to sleep. His mind is stuck on the disparity in the enemy estimates. And he's thinking, you know, maybe I could use the wolf dream to investigate and find out just how many Trollocs really are out here. And that's about all it takes to think. Yeah, I mean, he's not gone into the wolf dream since the last time when he had an encounter with Slayer. No. He's avoided it. All it really takes here is going, I, I bet I could figure out useful information. And he's there. Yep. Oops. Next thing he knows, he's standing on the village green, but there's nobody else there, and it's the middle of the afternoon, which it is not. So he knows, yeah, I'm in the wolf dream. And then he sees a few visions appear in the sky. Now, this has happened to him before in the wolf dream, where like a bubble opens up with an image. And he, he learned in the past, they mean something. He might not be able to figure out what they mean, but they mean something. So... We're going to tell you what he saw. Mm -hmm. First one, he sees a Gwen standing amongst a crowd of women. And there's fear in her eyes. But then the women slowly start kneeling around her. Including amongst those kneeling women, Nynaeve and Elaine. Interesting. That's all I can say. That, that Yeah. I don't think I'm allowed to say anything more than that. No, you're not. But it means something. Matt, he sees next bound and naked with an odd spear with a black shaft thrust across his back behind his elbows and a silver fox head medallion hanging around his neck. Well, it's nice to see that a uh, parent has seen Matt's new getup, or at least some of it. Yeah, I don't recall him walking around 
bound and naked, but yeah, but that part's not new. <laughs> but yeah, he gets to see what's the name of that uh, spear thing again? An Ashandari, right? And and he's got that medallion that he's keeping with him all the time. This is the first that Perrin's seen those things, but we've all heard about those before. The final one, he sees an image of Rand in rags and a rough cloak with a bandage covering his eyes. That's it. So we'd love to tell you more about what all these mean, but there are first time readers with us here, so we cannot. But remember the images, mark it with a bookmark or something. These things always come back to mean something. I think the only thing that we can highlight a little bit here is this isn't necessarily a product just of the wolf dream. It's not something that he sees because of that necessarily, but it is similar to something that we've seen from another character, Egwene. Mm-hmm. That these mm-hmm. seem to be a certain prophetic dream talent. Right. And when you're talking about prophetic dreams, that means he's not necessarily seeing what's happening now, nor is he seeing things that absolutely will happen. Possibilities. Well, this is a distraction for Perrin. He's like, this is not what I'm here for. So now he gets busy. He's going to use his swift movement abilities in the dream that he's learned in the past by seeing Slayer do it. Mm -hmm. And he's going to copy that now. He's going to do reconnaissance on the whole two rivers. Wolf see, wolf do. He just bounces around. The first thing he does is just check local around Emmons Field, and he finds signs of camps of Trollocs. You don't see any Trollocs. Yeah, they're not dreaming themselves in here necessarily. No, But you do see reflections of the actual world. So a campfire that's there is there. You might see the cookpot. You might not see what's in the cookpot, but you might see the cookpot. Exactly. Just looking at what he finds in the locality of Emmons Field... He's judging there's got to be at least 5,000 Trollocs right in the local vicinity. Maybe more. That's a boatload of Trollocs. That sits more in line with the uh, Loyal and Gaul side of things. Absolutely. As he moves further out, he he moves south. And the farther south he gets, less and less Trollocs. He makes it as far as Devon Ride, the next town down. The last town down as you move through the two rivers. And there... He sees signs in the the way things are structured in the town, like townspeople have barricaded the roads in and out, and but no fortifications like in Emmons Field. Like, if they were attacked by Trollocs, they'd be dead, all of them, the first attack. Which tells okay. us one of two things. Either they set up and we're all killed immediately, or <laughs> Trollocs are really focusing on Emmons Field and not really the surrounding villages. And he does see sign of Trollocs in the area? But not many. And he kind of reads into this as, okay, the Trollocs are at Emmons Field. These, maybe it's just enough to kind of contain the Devon Ride folk. Maybe they're just trying to keep them penned in while they deal with the big group. And then they'll come have the snack at Devon Ride when they're done. Mm -hmm. So to test that theory, he then zips past Emmons Field and goes the other direction. And that way to the north is Watch Hill. In Watch Hill, he sees a very similar situation as Devon Ride. Absolutely. Just a few Trollocs and the town kind of barricading their roads and stuff, but no big fortifications. Going past Watch Hill, you get to, what's that last town? Terran Ferry. Right. There's nobody in Terran Ferry. You can tell this, no, this looks deserted. Nothing. There's no signs of people. There's no sign of Trollocs. There's nothing around here. But the ferry is still there. And on the other side of the river, he sees stuff. Like, 
belongings and things like fell off the back of wagons or stuff. So it looks like signs that people fled Terran Ferry, leaving the two rivers as fast as they could, but clearly left. And they weren't necessarily chased much further than that. Right. Like they, they went, but there's not sign of the slaughter. So in some way, some people have gotten out of the two rivers. And maybe that means news is spreading of what's happening in the two rivers. Now that should be a good sign, right, Zach? If people get news? I mean, yes. I'm going to say mostly yes. Because ideally, yeah, we want news to get out there so that maybe help could come. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The downside of that is it takes time. Help can come. It may not come soon enough. Mm. Uh, But it's worth trying anyways. The other only downside, Andor might not be excited about the whole Lord Parent thing. Like He's still squashing that. He's working on it. Yeah, he doesn't want it, but like <laughs> that doesn't necessarily matter. But seeing people have gotten out, seeing the way out is clear, gives, gives Perrin an idea. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that idea in a moment. But before he can go any further with the moment, he has a Slayer encounter. Oh, shoot. Literally. Slayer shoots. Yeah. Yes. Well There's done, Zach. I, uh, well done. It intentionally. Yes. Um, the only reason Perrin discovers Slayer Shoots instead of feeling Slayer Shoot is he happened at just the random moment, reached down for one of these things that seemed to have fallen off a wagon, and, and an arrow goes whizzing over where his head just was a moment ago. To Beren. Mm, most probably. And there's a very short little interchange with Slayer. Basically, Perrin reacts very quickly, very instinctually, and disappears from view, and then waits. And sure enough, Slayer shows his hand. He comes out, you know, he's looking. Perrin sees him without being seen, and he's struck again by how much this guy looks like Lan. Uh Just got the same general facial structure and very similar features and body type. Just like Lan. But the next thing he does is pull an arrow and shoot right at him. The guy would have been dead to rights because Perrin had him flat. The guy didn't see him and he's really close to him. But, but as he lets go of that arrow, there's some Ravens that let out a squawk of warning. Now this is important. Perrin had seen no birds, Mm -hmm. no wildlife. Mm -hmm. This whole place was deserted. Suddenly there's Ravens warning Slayer. Interesting. Sounds uh, dark to me. It does. Doesn't it? Slayer only has time to basically twitch a little. And so instead of getting shot through the heart, he gets shot through the shoulder. Are you implying that the, breast. the Dark One himself literally through his eyes cared enough about Slayer to save his life? No, I think Slayer has some Raven familiars. Okay. That's just, more what I'm going with. I think with, it's I very think. interesting that uh, this line of thinking, for reasons that I might talk about in the spoiler room, I'm not sure yet. What we then see happen is Slayer, oh, and then fade away. Disappears. As he disappears, the arrow doesn't. It drops to the ground. But Perrin also notices the ravens are gone. Huh. See, kind of reinforces that there was a connection there. Okay. Perrin then wakes up out of the dream. He's ready to do that something that he thought of while he was in there. And he's thinking to himself, this is going to be hard because it's going to require me to be cunning. And I'm not really cunning. That's not my go-to. Now he's kind of bluntly honest. Yeah, but it's what he's going to need to do. 
leaving his sleep quarters to try to put this into action, he discovers there's a bit of a tumult around because Lord Luke had just recently plowed out of the camp, injured, rode off in a rush, almost rode down the people guarding the entranceway. And they're like, what was that? And that's what the to-do is about. He's like, Lord Luke was in injured? He wasn't injured when he came to town, was he? Everybody's like, no, he wasn't injured. And Perrin puts two and two together. And Kit's five. No, I'm kidding. Well, kind of, because it doesn't make sense. He's like, it does, okay, kind of. in the dream, I injured Slayer. In the real world, Lord Luke is somehow injured in the same way. They said he was holding his At know, shoulder. And then he's like, okay, I know injuries in the wolf dream manifest in the real world. It's happened to me. So that could be because of me hurting him in the wolf dream. Lord Luke looks nothing like Slayer. But then he, he ponders and he's like, but they do kind of smell the same. Now, that's not what a common person is going to think. No, but he can think it. It's not good evidence to literally anyone else, but it does kind of solidify it for him. Right. Perrin gives orders. He doesn't explain this to anybody. He just gives orders. If Lord Luke shows up again, he is to be detained and put under guard. Now, got to move on with my plan. And this is slick for Perrin. He goes and finds Fayil. She's upset to see him up already. But he explains, you know, I, I was in the wolf dream. I saw some stuff. And here he is going to tell a big old whopper. Or at least try. He reveals to her, in the wolf dream, he confirmed there aren't more than a thousand Trollocs out there. Really? We've, we've got things well in hand. I mean, there's still Trollocs, and we could really use some help, but they're not so many, we can't hold them off. So I'm asking you, Fail, to, to do something for us, a critical mission. You are the right person to send to get help. You understand how to talk to royalty. You've got these ways of the world about you. I want you to go to Camelin and approach Queen Morghese, share what's going on here, and inspire them to send Queensguard out to help us. Now, we know this journey. It takes months. Well, at least weeks. At least many weeks, yeah, yeah. But it'll be fine, because we can hold out. That's what he's telling her. Now, this is bullcrap, okay? Oh, he yeah. knows. There's thousands out here. <laughs> they don't have a blooming chance. They're probably going to be slaughtered. But, Fail, go get help and says you know you'll pass watch hill on the way uh warn them about what's happening here maybe you can even get them to, to leave also with you and get to safety that that would be good you know while we deal with the the trollocs that are around he lays it on really thick about you know it'll be dangerous but i i'm i'm confident in your abilities take bane and chiat i'm sh sure they can they can guard you help you and and you'll make it Which, i'll be honest how dumb does he think she is that she's going to buy that he's been going, you need to be protected, you need to be protected, when she can take care of herself, and suddenly he's okay with her doing something that's so dangerous. It's like, regardless of what the truth is, Perrin, that doesn't sound like you. Now, listening to all this, Fayil responds, her eyes a little glistening, and she agrees to go. But she has a price. Okay. She will do this for him. Okay. But she wants a wedding. Who's getting married? Yeah, she wants him to agree to marry her. Oh. He's like, that works for me. I love you. Yes. 
we'll definitely i'll commit to marry you yeah. when we get past all this stuff and you, you got it and she's like uh no 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 sir you must marry me before i leave i want it now okay um that takes parent a little off guard yeah uh, and he starts to say um there are reasons we can't do that. We have traditions in the two rivers. We have to be, you know, engaged for a year first. And she reveals, no, no, no. I've been talking to the ladies already and explained our time traveling together and all the stuff we've been through. And they've all agreed that that could count. There's nothing stopping us from getting married. So By your custom. We're doing it. Yeah, we're we're doing this now. So we're doing this now. And if we're not. I'm not leaving until we're doing this now. Well, I guess Perrin's getting married. Yep. Chapter ends with a ceremony right there in the village with all the people around and celebration. And, and then they're married. End of chapter. So there's two chapters in between. And we're left to, you know, figure out what they do during those two chapters. And then we get to chapter 56, Golden Eyes. This is the next day. Fayil's gone. She's left on the mission. We're still in Perrin's POV. And he's writing a farewell letter to Fayil. So this is confirming for anybody who hadn't figured out what he was doing before that he's sure what's about to happen, Zach. Uh, they're all going to die. Yep. He has saved the love of his life. And maybe she'll find this note one day and forgive him. Look, it's not a suicide note. He's not going to kill himself. No. He just is very sure that they're all about to be put in Trolloc cookpots. As he's finishing up, news comes that the Trollocs are on the move. Thousands <laughs> of them are headed to the village now. This is it. It's go time. You can tell because they started up their fires. Yeah. Perrin goes out and finds the women of the village making plans for who, you know, who's going to take who when they escape. Basically, this is the last ditch effort of if everything goes to crap, we're going to grab the children and run to the woods. If it gets to the point where instead of protecting the village, it's let's protect the retreat while they run. Give them a head start. Who's running? Yeah. Perrin apologizes to these women. It's like, I'm sorry I wasn't honest earlier about what we're facing here, but I just needed to get Fayil to safety and there was no way she'd leave. If she knew what was really happening here. Yeah, they look at him like he's stupid. They all knew what was happening here. Perrin is <laughs> not like, slick. Yeah, don't, don't, you don't have to apologize, Perrin. Yeah, we knew exactly what you were doing. And in fact, we're pretty sure Fael knew too, okay? But we don't fault you. You were doing what any man would have done for his woman. So it, it's okay. Perrin gives orders to his companions then. There's, he's still got about 10 of them that are right with him there. He says, okay, if things go really badly, you fall back and protect the women and children. Then he tries to give the same order to Aram. And Aram just looks at him and goes, where you go, I go. No telling Aram what to do, apparently. Yeah, I'm sure that won't bite him in the ass. Uh, never. Yeah. Perrin finds the White Cloaks all on their horses. Okay, great but we had them worked into the plan of the city's defense. No, it's okay. This could work. They're going to be a cavalry that's going to like flank and break the line, right? But that isn't the plan. Oh. And so he's like, what's going on? And they reveal they're leaving. Brack, brack. Perrin's like, well, Perrin pulls that trick. He's like, what do you mean you're leaving? Okay. You, you agreed to stay and help. And then, you know, we talk about what happens after when this is done. And Bornhold's like, 
Uh, no, 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 no. We've seen what's going on here. This is all your trick, Perrin. You're a dark friend. We know it. You're setting this all up so that your your shadow spawn out there are going to wipe out this whole village. We see it coming. We've learned while we've been here that the defenses around here, you had nothing to do with those. That's just coincidence. So, of course, you're spending time in here, getting to know everything, setting it up, probably giving information out there. We are not about to sit here, 400 soldiers, to fall victim to a trap. We're getting out before it closes. It's a load of hooey, and most of the White Cloaks probably know it. Bornhold might actually believe it. I think he does. Yeah. But Perrin's response, well, the first thing was, would you repeat what you did before? Uh, the... Exactly. He casts aspersions on their courage. Bunch of cowards. He says, I, yes, I promised we could talk about things. I'll take it next level. Because he's thinking in his head, we can't lose the White Cloaks. He says, I will promise now to not resist arrest when this is over, if you stay in aid. Now, it's just the companions and Aram there to hear this, but they're like, what? What are you saying? Bornhald's like, uh, yeah, it's easy to promise. If we're all dead later, you don't have to fulfill it. It's like, hey, I've said what I've said. If you want to leave anyways, if you're too chicken to stick around, if you want to prove to everybody here that white cloaks don't mean anything when they say they will defend the innocent, they will fight the shadow wherever they find it, if you want to show that that's all baloney, you go ahead. Yeah. Just get out of here now. If you want to not fight the shadow directly and show that, I don't know how much in the light you are. Also, like, if I die in this attack... Doesn't that just kind of work out for you? Bornhold is boiling over this. But at the same time, he realizes he's kind of trapped here. He's like, fine, we will stay in buyers next to him. My lord, what are you doing? Is Because like, he's like, we're going to die. Let's get yeah. out of here. Truthfully, Bornhold's like, no, if we're going to die, I'm going to die clean. I am not going to be a coward or have aspersions cast on us. Bornhold's only trapped because... He seems to be under a similar delusion that his father was. That he, the White Cloaks are actually good. And that, in this sense, as much as we've seen this animosity unwarranted towards Perrin, though he believes it is, Thane's not a bad White Cloak. As much as he's a White Cloak, he's not. Not bad. He's a zealot for his cause, but he believes to his bones parents a dark friend yeah and so his actions are colored by that belief and trying to paint everything he's seeing around him into the filter the framework of parent being a dark friend how can any of this make sense if parents really good it wouldn't but when it comes he must be a dark friend when it comes so down this to is it, what's going on he does believe the children of the light stand for the light and need to be here so he acquiesces now after this is done okay so this is agreement Perrin says, all right, let's get to the business of, of dealing with the town. But Aram is right there going, dude, you're not really going to turn yourself over, are you? And Perrin won't even talk about it. Yeah. He's like, I did what I got to do. Now we're moving on. Perrin moves throughout the town, quickly inspecting all of the last preparations, the readiness for the attack. And everywhere he goes, his presence seems to 
bolster people's courage. He hears a lot of golden eyes and Lord Perrin, and then he goes, stop that! <laughs> again and again, the Lord Perrin, stop that! Yeah, he's like, um, fine, if you're going to call me golden eyes, it's factually true. He's given up on that one, yeah. Golden eyes, I got golden eyes, fine. But I ain't a lord, so don't call me Lord Perrin. No bloody lord. <laughs> A couple of the encounters are particular. There's there's things to mention. One is that he, as he sees Loyal there, he thinks upon his attempt the previous night to get Loyal actually to leave. Mm -hmm. Kind of encouraged him, you know, wouldn't you maybe like to slip after Fayil and kind of shadow her? Make sure, make sure she gets out safely. And Loyal was actually hurt. It's like, Parrot, you really would think I would abandon you at this time? I came with you, Perrin. And I will stay until you go. It's, man, Aww, loyal is so loyal. Loyal. <laughs> he also comes upon Varen with her warder Tomas, and he notes his surprise that Varen and Alana both have stayed. That they're preparing to be a part of this. I love Varen's answer. Because Perrin was like, I mean, you guys were just here. You got caught in the town because you were searching for women who might be able to channel. And Varen's like. Oh, that's what we were doing? <laughs> a little bit. Um, and, and her response, what did you love about the response, Zach? Well, quite literally, she's going, it's too interesting. I mean, being around You're you too interesting. is too interesting. Yes. And it's like, I have a trollic attack, trollic schmack, whatever. If I could watch you and Ran and Matt all the time. Day and night. Never part from your side. She'd be watching you. She even says, I'd even marry you to make that happen. Perrin's like, uh, I already got a wife. <laughs> and I'm like, that's probably the first time you got to say that. Excuse me. Okay. I already have a wife. He, he did good. He said, no, I have a wife. Not sorry. I have a wife. Now that gets a cryptic comment out of Aaron, though. He says, oh, yeah, yeah. You really have no idea what you've done by marrying her, do you? What's that? And he doesn't. Mean? He doesn't really totally understand. We do. We can't tell you yet. Spoiler light. And then the attack begins. First, as the thousands of Trollocs begin to appear from the south, he hears the noise. He hears the Fuhrer. And then he hears more Trollocs on the other side of town. They're also coming from the north. They have not done this before. They've attacked from different directions. Apparently they've been dumb enough to only attack from one direction at a time. Yeah, exactly. They've made it easy. You know, they're coming from both sides this time. And they're chanting or shouting a phrase. Isom. 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 They might pronounce it different. Yeah. It might be Isom. I would have gone Isom on it. Isom. Perrin's like, I have no idea what that's about. Is that some weird trollic word? I don't, I don't get it. Varen comments, hmm, interesting. And Perrin literally looks at her like, that's not what I would have said. I, I would have said more like, why? <laughs> but there's no more time to talk about this or think about it at all because the attack is underway. So here come the Trollocs pouring from both sides. And this is so different than all the previous attacks. They are in it for real this time. In it to win Because despite... Yeah, despite all the arrows and other things being catapulted and shot out at that their direct multiple directions, nothing is stopping the Trollocs. They keep coming and coming. Thousands of Trollocs, they keep coming. Eventually, therefore, 
they break through the defenses. Many Trollocs are dead. More Trollocs come behind them. And they get past all the stakes and past the barriers. And now they're actually in Emmons Field. And now it's a problem where people are going to start dying. Yeah, because it's hand-to-hand combat now. They've, they've got the close quarter fighting with their quarter staffs and whatever, but Trollocs are nine feet tall. You know, these people are just people. They're retreating now between the buildings, kind of using the landscape and re- retreating grudgingly because there's only so far you can retreat before you're going to run out of town. And they're trying to kill as many Trollocs as they can. But really, this looks like a losing battle. They're doing good. They're killing Trollocs. But there's always more Trollocs. Right. And as things seem at their darkest, Perrin's like, what? As he notices, the women have entered the battle. You know, the women that are going to get the kids out of town? No, no, they're not. They're right there with them, interspersed amongst the men, filling in some of the holes where men have died already. The women are fighting just as brilliantly as possible. I mean, we saw all the way back to the start of the first book of this series. Some of the Days women in her frying fields are impressive also who did yes. you say had the frying pan wasn't it days conger uh-uh oh no it was mrs lou it was Alsbet luhan right absolutely it was oh, a blacksmith's that's right. wife who has bigger muscles than the blacksmith <laughs> what he notices he doesn't see however are the bloody white cloaks where are the white cloaks they're not getting involved at all what the heck so he's like well can i at least maybe get the white cloaks to make a distraction so the kids can escape or something it's last stand it's the final moments and then something turns <gasps> and they realize the trollocs coming from the south side of town are being attacked from the south yeah on the fifth day they look to the south and they see not horsemen light gandalf okay they uh are getting pincered now okay there are men out there attacking from that side and he hears they hear shouts devon ride devon ride it's the men of devon ride nice and it ding for perrin that's what the messenger was saying we are coming we are coming he was found south of the town he had been sent ahead to let them know the men of devon ride had heard what was happening in emmons field and they were on their way to help. Now, I'm a little curious how they heard what was happening in Emmons Field. Because they weren't, like, sending messages or anything. There was some But way. they heard in some way. It may have been they heard about the Perrin and everyone going to Emmons Field. So they knew that's where people were. They knew they'd seen the Trollocs and stuff. I'm just speculating here. I'm like, they can't now, have there was tran- There was transit between the towns, trade and stuff. Yeah. So as they're hunkering down and building the fortifications, there could have been someone from Watch Hill just leaving, seeing what they're doing to prepare for attack. You mean Devon Ride? Yeah, sorry. It's Devon Ride. And so he went home and said, they're setting up for a full attack. We maybe should go and help because it looks bad for Emmons Field. You know, who knows? Something like that. But yeah. They got the message. In some way, they knew they needed help. So this side of the battle starts to turn their direction. Trollocs are going down. And then the same thing starts happening on the other side. Arrows come flying in. Trollocs are falling. And looking beyond the town, he sees Fael with a whole group Mm -hmm. of men out there. This one at least has a really good explanation as to why they're there. Yes. Fael. Fael went like she was supposed to she went first place she was supposed to go to was watch hill 
And she did. And she's supposed to tell them the circumstances and encourage them to go out. And well, that's where the thing faltered. Yeah, she did the first half of that. She told them the circumstances and rallied them to come help. <laughs> so here they are. Now, both groups of Trollocs are caught between armies and mass slaughter ensues. And before too long, Trollocs are all dead. Murdral are twitching on the ground everywhere, and we know to walk around those in a wide arc. Yeah, wait until sundown, they'll die. And the battle's over. Boom! We won! Perrin goes out on the north side towards his wife. Fael approaches him, and she's talking like 50 words a minute, babbling away about, you know, I didn't break my word, and and I, I couldn't help but bring these guys to help, you know, and, and justifying why she's here now. And she seems to think he's going to be angry and please don't mm -hmm. be angry. And you got to understand I had to. And all he says is, I love you. Honestly, this is the one time in the series he says the exact right thing. Perfect, Perrin. They embrace. It's not the only time. But... Everything is wonderful now. And as they're out there in their moment of celebration and joy, pretty much everybody else heads that direction too. And this big old circle starts to gather. All the people, all the survivors of Emmons Field, Watch Hill, Devon Ride, one big happy gathering. And they're laughing and they're slapping each other's on the backs. And, and yes, there are people dead now, but no one's focusing on that at the moment. They're focusing on we're alive. We survived. And then it quiets down as everybody's here and they're all just looking at the center. They're looking at Perrin and Fael. And it gets quiet. And Perrin's like, why are they looking at us? What do you think's happening here, Zach? Why does it get silent? They're looking for direction uh, in a certain sense. And, and this is our speculation. It doesn't say why they did this. You think it's direction. I would go with that sort of, but a specific kind of direction. They're looking for what does our leader have to say? Yeah, it's a little bit of you're in charge. You're, this is the thing. Speech, 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 speech. Exactly that. Speech. Is it time to party now? Is it time Give to rally the... to something else? Tell us what is next. Yeah. Lord Perrin, pretty much. Give us the Emmonsfield address. Come on. Yeah. But into this moment, the white cloaks appear, riding slowly out of the village in pristine condition and again they're all in white so it's extremely clear they did yeah. nothing during this battle not they're the not so bloody white cloaks right and they march up center of the circle right up to perrin and dane bornhold has the nerve to say well the battle's over it's time for you to come into um you know i i'm arresting you now just like we agreed the crowd and of course fail is shocked and no and of course fail adds the extra this turn right at Perrin. what do you mean as agreed kind of like you agreed to that you idiot what do you what i leave you for one day <laughs> but Perrin doesn't doesn't explain to fail all he does is reply calmly to bornhall not so fast buddy I promised to not resist if you stayed and aided. You clearly didn't do squat. It's honestly impress impressive that Perrin is keeping this relatively calm because he is just boiling oh, yeah. with his anger yeah. underneath. Bornhold sneers. You think we were going to fall for your tricks and actually get involved? We weren't about to trust you. 
The only reason your plan to see this whole village slaughtered didn't work was that the others arrived. And by your own admission, you didn't do anything to make that happen. They foiled your plans. We weren't falling for it. And now the White Cloak, see, he's got this story. He's justified this whole thing still. They're ready to take Perrin by force. You can see some of them, their hands on their swords. They're going to take this dark friend into custody. Well, this huge circle of people who are all thinking, Lord Perrin, Lord Perrin, they're clearly thinking, oh, that not happened. Yeah, we just hear the very loud cacophony of a uh, hundred bowstrings being pulled at once. Mm -hmm. This is about to get bad fast. Again, Perrin is the calming influence. He gestures to the townsfolk to kind of, you know, calm down. And everybody, you know, bows lower, okay? Imminent destruction abated. And then he declares to the White Cloaks, basically, I don't know, it's almost like he just looks at him and <laughs> that's not happening, basically. I've got these guys. Have you met my friends? Okay. And then he says, you didn't help. In fact, you haven't helped from the entire time you entered the two rivers. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Out. Go. Bornhold is furious, but there's really nothing he can do to press the matter. He realizes they are outnumbered, outgunned. They aren't winning this fight. It's a crazy thing where he has 400 trained soldiers who would all be pincushions. Yeah, would not be enough. He's like, I'll get you sometime, but fine. This is not my day. The White Cloaks leave. A group of the men from Watch Hill come up to Perrin, and one of them introduces himself, and he's like, if it's all right with you, Lord Perrin, uh, me and me and the boys here, we'll, we'll kind of escort the White Cloaks, make sure they get out of the two rivers, pick up the crew yeah. they left in Watch Hill, too, and we'll just see them on their yeah. way. We'll make sure the door hits them on their way out. Just wanted to make sure that was okay with you, Lord Perrin. Perrin's still like, sure, okay. Fine, do what you want. He's mostly thinking, dang it, that Lord Perrin thing again. Come on. But when the guys leave, Fayul, he turns to her, because she came with this group from Watch Hill. Uh, who was that? And she says, oh, that was the mayor. <laughs> Perrin's like, Great. the mayor is calling me Lord <laughs> Perrin. He literally shouts out after the guys, I'm just a blacksmith. And they're like, they wave back to him and keep going. <laughs> Fayul just laughs. He's like, it's too late to turn back now, my lord yeah. blacksmith. <laughs> Oops. All right. There's one final page in the chapter, because that's where <sighs> Perrin's POV ends, and we jump to someone else, who astute readers may have been wondering about by this point. Others will have completely forgotten about. Because he's kind of disappeared for a little he bit. He has. About a mile south of town, hidden in the wood line, Ordeeth is standing there, staring off at Emmons Field in the distance, shocked that everything fell apart. His plan to harry the two rivers until Randall Thor is thucked. Is thucked. Thucked? He's thucked. Thucked. Yep, he got That sounds thucked. wrong. Rand was thucked. Okay. Mm -hmm. Until Randall Thor is sucked back in, in response, and, and then Ordeeth can have his revenge. No. The whole thing's a complete failure. Didn't happen like that. Not only that, the two rivers were barely even scratched. They seem to be rising up now stronger than ever. They've re regained knowledge of who they are and what they can be. And he sees the banner of Manetherin flying over their stupid village yeah. now. Now, of note, he references also how Isam, 
was playing into his hands, bringing so many Trollocs into the two rivers, and he doesn't understand why Isom stopped. That pretty much confirms something, doesn't it, Zach? For any reader. What the... I didn't give Zach notes on what this might mean. He's got no, There's a couple of things here that I would go to with this. Because the big one to me, actually, says that Ordith Fane doesn't know that the Waygate got sealed. He does not. It's correct. He thinks Isam just stopped letting him in. But it also confirms that Isam is a person. We only heard it Trollocs chanting, Esam, Esam, Esam. That's all we knew right. about Esam. I didn't realize, we didn't realize that was a person. Now we know yeah, Esam's a person. We also know Ordith believes Esam is the name of the guy who was bringing Trollocs in. But we know who the name of the guy who bringing Trollocs in. Well, we know well, a name. we know what we called we that know person. A name. We called them Slayer. That was Slayer. So Esam is the guy Perrin knew as Slayer. Parents figured He's out maybe Slayer also the guy who's probably Lord Luke. Lord Luke. So this Esam is the Lord Luke Slayer thing. That's and Ordeek knew him in some way. Knew he was here doing this stuff. Knew of him. Yeah, the webs of things to come. The bit about Manetherin gets Ordeek to shift his thoughts to his belt he reaches down where someone might like have a weapon or a dagger or something on it and there's nothing there mm. and he thinks on how the white tower holds what has been stolen from him something his by right as old as the trollic wars and we're talking about what it might be a dagger from a certain evil city yep that was around at the same time as Manetherin. we pick up a few last things from ordith here to wrap up the chapter he still has his personal white cloaks, but they no longer wear any actual white cloaks. <laughs> yeah, they roll around in the mud a little bit. Man, They're now brown cloaks. Their armor is rusted. Okay, armor doesn't just rust. No, there's some sort of like supernatural corrosive influence. It's yes. not just that it's that been a great term. something that corrodes their mood. Yeah, just go with but it, But it's man. corroding their soul and literally their physical objects. Right. They look horrible and paranoid. Now, of course, it's easy to look paranoid when they also now have a Myrdral in their group. Like, he's not captive. He's with them, seemingly answering to Ordith. I mean, we've seen uh, Ordith doing <sighs> bad things to Myrdral Power before. over Myrdral. Yeah. But this one seems to be looking to Ordith because he's afraid of Isan. He was apparently connected to the Trolloc attack in Terran Ferry. And we've seen through the wolf dream when Perrin was looking that a lot of people got away. Now, the message that had been delivered earlier, a few chapters back, was that Terran Ferry was slaughtered by an attack of Trollocs. But it wasn't. It wasn't. There were probably some killed, but a lot got away. So what I'm hearing is this Miradral failed and went to Ordeath instead. And Ordeath actually was part of how it failed. He intervened. He stopped it. And so Isam would be furious that Ordeath did that. The Merdral is stuck in the middle. He's like, okay, I'm going to stick with Ordeath now. Because if I go back to Isam, I'm in trouble. I'm going to stick with the one who's not going to kill me right now. And might just kill me at a drop of a hat, a whim. Right. But won't kill me on sight. It's really important we recognize these are evil forces that aren't on the same page. They have different motivations, apparently. The Wheel of Time does a really good job of having evil be not just a unified force against good. 
doesn't always do as good of a job of showing good, not always being a unified force against evil, but it does show it. It does. The last thing we see is Ordeeth and his crew are headed off for Tarvalon now because, okay, they got my dagger, but they'll be stopping in Camelin first. Interesting. Plans and reasons only Ordeeth knows. That is the end of the chapter. That Woo. is the end of this episode. Woo. That was fun. We will jump into a spoiler room feature in a moment. So if this is your first time, read. this is your cue to hop on out. It's been fantastic, and we're glad you were with us, but now's your time. Again, all the ways you can connect with us, Discord, Twitter, other things, find them in the show notes. We hope to hear more from you. Thanks for being here, and we'll talk to you next time. For the rest of you... The spoiler it is. All right. I'm rolling the big rock today. I think I'm going first. I got a 13. I got a 19. Yeah, yeah, you're going first. Um, However, my first um, is going to be a little bit of a joint effort because I want us to just like riff a little bit in some speculation here. Because what was Lord Luke's plan? Oh, Slayer, Esom, whatever you want to call him. We've talked about in the past how Patton Fane was there, cause issues, draw Rand in. Slayer may have partially been something similar, but also was there trying to partially deal with Fane. But like, what was his plan with Emmons Field? Clearly his plan wasn't kill Perrin because he didn't do that. And he had ample opportunity. His plan wasn't wipe out Emmons Field, at least for most of it. Because he didn't do that. He was doing siege tactics. He was starving them out. He was not doing the full force multi-directional attacks that he could have done. What was he doing? I think he was trying to wear them down first before the all-out attack. That's what he was doing. And he was. They were getting exhausted. They're getting demoralized. He's hoping to, you know, pick off maybe some random strays along the way. And then when they are weak, then he's going to bring it all. And it would have worked, except for Devin Ride and Watch but Hill. But to be completely honest, I think he ought to have known he didn't need to do that. I mean, he has, from two different avenues, access to battlefield knowledge in keeps. He's clearly implementing those here. But dude, but doesn't make he sense has, to do it. He's he's got arrogant bad guy syndrome. He's enjoying every day coming and showing his trophies again. He's toying with them. I agree. He's toying with them, lording in it, loving it. But it feels conveniently ineffective. I think it might have gone on longer, except he got wounded and he yeah, no. left. Having he to, left. I think the all out assault is a he goes just kill them all and leaves. He's not there as a part of that ta- attack at all, right? He's sick of whatever game he was playing. So what I want to know is what actually was that game? Was he ever planning to actually wipe them all out? Is he slowly wearing them down and eventually going to make them all go dark? What's the plan here? Did he want to kill Perrin or did he want to turn the town against Perrin? I think he was supposed to kill Perrin. I think so. Eventually he was supposed to. I think so. But it just seems like such a oddly drawn out and evil bad guy moment for a character that often is just go in assassinate kill he's the cat playing with the mice he is superior in every way 
why not stretch it out as long as he can? Because he's enjoying every minute of it. That's what I see. He had no concerns. He was not for a moment afraid this wasn't going to work. So he's taking his time. That was it. I think my biggest thing here is I don't think he's acting on anyone's necessary orders. Not specific orders on how to go about it, but he is supposed to be after Perrin but I think it's Rand a and very Rand, vague order. It's the same kind of order that loosely all the Dark Friends have. He doesn't have a direct Forsaken giving him orders. Where in a lot of the other times we see him throughout the series, earlier or later, he does. And I have my reasoning as to why I think this is. It's because the one who was giving him specific orders right now is dead. Yeah, but he got the orders before the guy was dead. He got the orders of go after and does these he... three. He and does, does not he get know the, the guy's dead? He does not get the specific orders of do this like this now. No. He doesn't get right. a, this is your target. Take so him he out has tonight. the freedom to play. Exactly. And so he's acting under his own volition. And we see, I think, I think we're seeing more of the Lord Luke coming out. And that's why he's using this. We don't see Lord Luke as Lord Luke very often, which makes me go, this guy was a pompous ass. <laughs> Rand, you need to go talk to your uncle. <laughs> anyway that was just weird speculation in a very spoilery context do you have a specific spoil for us I, I do it's a very small one but from the visions that Perrin saw there was one vision that was extremely clear mm. so I, we just saw that image of Egwene being raised as mother you know she's going to be the head of the Aes Sedai uh, and even Nynaeve and Elaine will bow before her. Yes. Yeah. And when she's first summoned and told that that's what she's going to do, it's terrifying. So we see that in the vision, too. She's afraid. But also, she was afraid because, if you remember, when she gets brought back, called back, she thinks she's going to be punished for pretending to be an Aes Sedai. And then it's something else completely. No, yeah. we're here to raise you up and submit to you well sort of it's a mess and uh i look forward to getting there in a couple books but we've had a couple of hints in previous books and even earlier in this book of what may happen eventually for Egwene. this is an even more obvious one this is that you don't fully understand but on a reread yeah. you're like ah, i see what that is on a reread <laughs> this is blatant yeah on a first read yeah. it's confusing right okay that's it. That's what I got. See, mine was short and sweet. And that's where we'll stop then. So let me run our outro. Pop this baby up in front of us here. Ta-da! There it is. Thank you for yeah. watching or listening or however you consume our content. Uh, we appreciate all of it and we appreciate your continued support. Uh, whether it's just watching, leaving a like, a subscribe, our YouTube channel's growing, uh, a rating subscribe. or a review. Those are always fantastic. Or if you want to go even further we've got merch we've got a patreon we've got a discord just come hang out and talk we've got so many ways can't thank enough those of you who are already our patreon supporters helps us keep doing this kind of content if you like this consider joining us and that's it we'll talk to you next time bye